evening and welcome to tonight's scheduled program of It's Almost the Weekend with your host Joe Tool. Joe, how are you? Oh man, what an intro. I'm so good. <laughs> I'm good now uh, after hearing that incredible uh, introduction. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. How are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I had, dude, I had a complete cognitive meltdown this week. Oh no. Um, it happens like once every four to five years. And, like, the neurons in my brain, they just decide to do something they've never done before. Mm. So, so, like, four, four years ago now, maybe five, um, when I was doing, like, a bunch of project management work um, and I was working, like, ungodly hours, I was basically a machine, you know, the morning routine was the same every single day. Like, you just yeah. go through the half-asleep actions and all that kind of stuff. Um, and... I got halfway out the door after getting up and doing all the stuff and I had my shoes on and just no pants. Oh, God. I, I did like the three pocket tap and I just slapped bare ass and I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Um, and like the door was half open and it was like a deadlock door and yeah. if I didn't have my keys, like that would have been it. I would have yeah, been like yeah. wearing half a suit with shoes on and just butt naked. <laughs> That's so... You didn't even have any underwear on? No, I had no underwear. Dude, was, um, how did you manage that? Oh, dude, it was gross. It was you gross. weren't, like, walking around feeling the breeze, you know? Uh, well, it was just, like, you know, from where I put my clothes on to the apartment door is, like, two or three steps. Right, just, right. And, and, like I say, complete cognitive meltdown. Like, yeah. just the brain isn't doing what it's supposed to. And so, this week, I, um, I made some toast uh, in the morning on one of the days a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I brought my toast back to bed. I put it under the sheets and I oh. sat on it. Oh, no. And I, like, I was so tired and I didn't know what was happening. And I, like, sat down and I was like, where's my toast? Yeah. A- and then I started gaslighting myself. I was like, did I make toast? <laughs> you didn't and make toast. Bro, I, it, but you didn't I, make it. <laughs> I fucking tucked my toast in and sat on it. And then, oh. like, I ate it in repentance for what I'd yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. You ate the flat butt toast. <laughs> it was, it was not a great time. Yeah, um, holy hell. Yeah, but you know, otherwise I've been good. I've been playing some video games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we just moved on so <laughs> so effortlessly from the flat butt toast. I just I had to mention it. Like yeah, I yeah. I mentioned it to one of my friends who brings up the the no pants thing all the time because uh, yeah, like yeah. I told him in confidence and he's just like. I don't understand how that can happen because yeah. like we're particularly pedantic, you know, we like things a certain way. And when we like implement a routine, it's for efficiency. Yeah, and yeah. he was just like, I don't understand how you could break the routine so severely. <laughs> um, In such a major way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, what did I say? Yeah, no, I've been playing some video, James. Yeah, we're moving, we're games. moving on. We're what, moving you, what have you been playing? 
Oh, bro, I cannot put down Slay the Spire like good fucking gods. Oh, no, it's, he's gone. He's deep again. It's oh, it's, I'm so deep. And, like, Phoebe's into it as well. Oh, it's nice. Just, it's a Slay the Spire household right now. I love it. I love how, like, you'll get back in on a game and, like, the whole house will be like, hey, I want a piece of that. Oh, my God. It's just so fucking good. Um, yeah, so I've been playing a little Slay the Spire and I picked up that Dead Cells update. And Oh, yeah, yeah. My God, they! This is like update number thirty-two um, wow, of, 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 of free DLC, and it's just like, I yeah, I haven't jumped in. Uh, I might have jumped in last week or whatever, but yeah, there's just so much content. Yeah. Um, and it's got those those new accessibility options, and mm-hmm. dude, they're so fucking good. I wish every game had these kinds of options. Like you can just. You can do whatever you want. You can give yourself unlimited continues. You can mm. change, like, the percentage of damage that the enemies do. Like, you wow. can g- give yourself a larger parry window. Like, you can literally just change the game so that you get to have the most fun. Yeah. Um, and, like, because there's so much new content, there's all these new enemies that I'm learning and they're kicking my ass. And so I just, like... Gave myself a couple of continues, you know? Like, oh, nice. It's it's kind of when you're coming across new content and you don't know what's up and you get killed in, like, three seconds. It's like, oh, no, that run was so good. But now it's just like, all right, I learned a thing and the run can continue. Yeah, hell yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been real cool. What about what about you, man? Any cognitive meltdowns? <laughs> Um, no cognitive meltdowns, but I do have little, like, I don't know if this is just, like, some very light ADHD or whatever, but, um, I, I will, like, do a lot of try to optimize my path around the house style stuff. So oh, I'll be, yeah. like, cleaning, and cleaning is when it gets the worst, because it's, mm. like, I need, I'm, like, gonna, like, go from one end of the house to the other to, to retrieve something, but I'm, like, okay, I'm gonna tidy along the way and do chores along the way, and so I'll try and, like... <laughs> you know pick up things and hold onto things and tuck stuff into my pockets and grab a box and put stuff in the box and all the while i'm like trying to get to the end goal and by the time i get to the end goal of like you know done the dishes <laughs> you know like it's not even about getting to the other end of the house anymore it's just it's become some other thing and so yeah that's, i have i have that kind of meltdown that's uh, i mean i like the sound of that in all honesty you know mm. like i i feel like it's kind of the same uh parts of your brain are activated when you're doing like resource management in a video mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. and you're you're just trying to make things as productive as possible and you're like if i can carry all this shit to the back of the house in one trip i save like 42 footsteps and that yeah, for some yeah. reason is extremely meaningful to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it, it, like it, on upon reflection it's always like i could have just done that one thing first and then gone and done the next thing next you know like i didn't have to try and do all this stuff in one go yeah uh, so yeah there's that um but no i've been playing god of war um, oh yeah so a week on how uh, how are your impressions yeah i've been playing like a, an hour or so every night pretty much um and man, I it's such a weird thing because like I'm pretty sure I'll finish it. Like I'm I'm enjoying my time with it, but mm-hmm. it's it it's it's like the the most beautiful experience or the most beautiful video game that just demands nothing of the player. You know, right? Like it'll be like 
you, you're on a path, you know, and then there's a, a split to the left and there's a chest and you get the chest and you're like, okay, I'm glad I went left. And then you go back down the path and wait, go down to the right and then you continue the mission. And then you get a little bit further and there's like a split to the left, you get a chest and then you go to the right and you continue the mission. And it's just like that <laughs> on repeat. And then it'll be like, oh, here's a puzzle. It's not very hard. You just go look around the room and then you get a chest and then you continue on your way. It's like, that's just the whole game. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's so gentle, you know, like it's very like the, the slowest little, you know, round of applause you've ever heard. Um, mm. Yeah, and all the while it's like, you know, very pretty and AAA and whatever and really voice acted in it. I don't know, man. There's, like I find myself really struggling to like see where the juice is in this game. Oh, uh, um, yeah. You know, just because it's like it's so handholdy and like curated and like mm. like the formula is there and it's like it's so laid out it's just like i see exactly what you're doing at every step of the way there's no surprises right. really um, right and so i mean you could kind of say the same thing about the last of us games mm. is there some kind of core difference you see between them um, yeah, in The Last of Us, the scrounging actually has, like, a utilitarian purpose. Um, right, yeah. In God of War, you're usually picking up hack silver or picking up resources to craft upgrades for your weapons uh, mm-hmm. or abilities. And so, like, you know, in combat, it's not like you need to use any of the things that you've scrounged because right. you, none of it has any use. You have to wait until you get to, like, a, a place like the Sindri or Brock and they'll use your scrounged items. Um, yeah, yeah. But even that is like, it feels so curated. It's like, oh, if I didn't find everything, it would still be okay because I could still afford most of what I want to afford. And like the major upgrades are all stuff that you, I feel as though I'm going to come across just by default through playing the game, not through exploration. Right. So it's like, if, you know, when, when the time comes to upgrade my like blades of chaos or whatever, I need two cinders of the Lord or whatever. I'm like, I know that. <laughs> they're going to give me the cinders of the lord i'm not going to have to try and find them like they're just going to be there right i see so like yeah right interesting um, yeah but it, it like i said it's still enjoyable there's like parts of it that are, that are, that are genuinely pleasing to play and beautiful to look at um mm. the, bo- the boss fights and the like harder combat encounters are fun yeah um and they have a section of the game. You're not going to play this game, right? You're not interested. Mm, no, no. Go for it. Okay. These are some mild spoilers, um, which I realize every time I say mild spoilers, it probably t- turns a bunch of listeners off. So maybe I should avoid saying it um, <laughs> and just not talk about it. And we can have like an episode in the future. But in any, in any case, I'm talking about it now. Um, <laughs> in any case, screw those listeners. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, for those who stuck around, fuck you too. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> the, you get a point in the game where you get to play as uh, Atreus. Okay. And so I feel like that was the you know one of the big twists that they thrust upon you, and I was like, oh, okay. But when you're At- Atreus, time to kill is shorter. Like you kill enemies way quicker with your bow and arrow than you do as the God of War with like your Leviathan axe. Oh like, right. It feels so weird. Like I know that Loki or like you know Atreus is also a god, but. Mm. You know, if he was actually this useful in combat, then Kratos would be doing way less. Yeah. I just felt like, yeah, I just it just feels weird to be like, I'm supposed to be the little guy, but I'm twice as powerful. Do you think maybe they're trying to have some, like, 
um, video game commentary that you actually get to experience where it's uh, like it's kind of telling you that Kratos is getting old Maybe. or like it's not that Atreus is more powerful or whatever but it's just he's young and he's a god and he's got yeah. all these skills and you're actually kind of outdated at this point yeah 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 i mean um there is probably some of that as well going on um mm -hmm. yeah i don't know man i don't know i just felt like it was weird that i i i was having more fun because the time to kill was shorter playing as atreus than i was playing the main character and i guess maybe yeah. that's that's partially the point as well like trying to like hand over the hand over the reins a little bit because this game is about you know ragnarok and fimble winter and the prophecy that you are loki and you, you know mm -hmm. in the end kratos like you saw the the mural at the end it's like oh you're loki and kratos dies and that's that's the that's the um the prophecy or whatever so i guess they're trying to like lead into that but yeah i don't know yeah okay so would you say you're like at, still at the beginning or like halfway through I don't know. I, um, I was talking to a friend at work who just finished it, and he oh, yeah. said he spent about 45 hours, I think. Good Lord. Yeah. So this shit's long. Um, yeah, okay. I think we're going to start avoiding doing side quests and stuff now. Uh, yeah. Just to get through it. Yeah, but, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's another game that I really want to play. Uh, it's called... Oh, God, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> it's uh, oh, taking no. season in Australia the recording. Right now, so both, yeah. both Joe and I suffer on a daily basis. Did I mute the call? Can you still hear me? Uh, I can hear you now, but okay, you cool. did disappear, so I'm sure our listeners just copped an almighty wachu. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the game is called... Uh, la, 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 la. Pentiment? Pentiment. Pentiment, yeah, Ooh, it's that... it's on Game Pass, and oh, yeah. um, it looks like a kind of uh, what would you call it, um, Elizabethan sixteenth-century Baroque version of Disco Elysium. Whoa, yeah. Um, so there's a murder that you've been um accused of. I think mm -hmm. you're a painter. Uh, you've been yeah, and you've been accused of a, a murder, and it's about finding out who actually did the crime. Um. And there's a, there's a twist, but I can't remember what it is, but it looks really cool, and I'm probably going to play it and report back in next week briefly about it. Sick. That sounds cool. And that's it for the video games that I've been playing, I think, dude. Hell yeah. We got God of War, Slay the Spire, Dead Cells. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, <laughs> have, have you got uh, some chicken feed for us? Just wrapping it up. Yeah, that's the games this week, guys. That's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i do i have some chicken feet um, hell yeah i also realized like i was listening to the episode yesterday and we were talking about like chicken strips and shit and i feel like people who uh, have never listened before are just like what the heck what yeah. are they talking about yeah um, you, you get punished unless you've listened to all 35 episodes <laughs> yeah or, or listen specifically to that one episode like episode four or something where we the, the joke is seeded that we uh, <laughs> call the three pieces of news the three-piece feed, and that's, you know, if you missed that one, too bad. <laughs> um, so th the first piece of news is that the Game of the Year um, noms have been announced for the Game Awards. Oh, yeah. Um, and here we go. There is A Plague 
Tale Requiem, or Requiem, uh, cool, which is the sequel to the Plague Tale first game. Um, I didn't play either of them, but they look kind of cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about them except for their title. Yeah, and they have cool rat physics. Um, rat physics? <laughs> yeah, it's all about the plague, and so, like, the rats are the, the danger in that game, and so you spend oh. a lot of time, like, you know, with lamps and lanterns and stuff, creating a path through the rats. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. God of War Ragnarok. Right. Wow. Uh, that, that game has been out for like two seconds and they're like, I game know. of the year. <laughs> I know. I strongly disagree. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West. I strongly uh-huh. disagree. Stray. I strongly disagree. Stray's in there? Oh, Stray's in there. Weak, weak year for games, I guess. No, I mean, I'm just I'm just shit talking. Like, I haven't played any yeah. of these games. No. But... Yeah, I know. I mean, well, you played Elden Ring. But, I played um, Elden Ring. That's true. Yeah. Um, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which was a surprise. I didn't realize Xenoblade Chronicles was a successful series or people played it that much. It's God of the Year. I mean, it's Game of the Year. God of the Year. God of the Year. <laughs> uh, Titanfall 2. It's coming back to bite me. Um, yeah. So those are the noms, which I think is interesting. As There's a couple of weird ones in there, you know, like a Plague Tale Requiem, a Requiem and mm-hmm. a Xenoblade. Um, and then the three or the four in the middle were kind of like the expected ones, I guess. You know, Elden Ring, God of War, Horizon and Stray. Um, is Stray? I mean... I haven't really heard anyone say that it's that good. I know. I don't understand, man. I don't understand this list at all. I can see how Elden Ring is on the list, and I can probably see how Horizon and God of War are on the list, even though I disagree. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, the big boys. These are the big boys, pretty much. Um, yeah. And then yep. Stray is kind of an indie one, I guess. A bit of an indie one. Double yep. A. So, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, I don't know, man. Good for them. Good for those yeah. games. I, I, I really... Uh, I don't know if this is just getting old or whatever, but I I don't know if I like any of the games on this list. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I mean, we're, we're going to have the It's Almost the Weekend Game of oh. the Year list, which is going to be way better. And that's, yeah. uh, that's coming at y'all in December. Yeah, um, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, but like our our prerequisites are gonna be a little more fun. Like we're just we're just gonna be listing, you know, our favorite games that we played this year. Not like I only played yeah, I only played one game that came out this year, which is Elden Ring, and trust me, that that ain't on the fucking list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, dude, I've been having urges to go back to Elden Ring. Um. I want to, like, play the easy version. <laughs> I wish there was the easy there's option. An, there's an easy version? No, I know. There's not, but I oh. wish there was, and oh, I want yeah. to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I swear to God, if you could just, like, tone down the enemy damage output in that game, like, I would be having so much fun. It's yeah. just, like, man, that that late game, or not even late game, but just, like, the last 30 hours mm, are God. just so hectic like yeah. when when just free roaming enemies can one shot you it's just like ugh. <laughs> like i don't know that's just that's not fun to me like in in all the there are other games when you come across new enemies and stuff and it's really exciting and you get destroyed but like you get destroyed after getting hit a couple of times and then healing yeah. and then you know it's a bit of a back and forth even if you're not familiar with like the new content but in elden yeah. ring it's just like 
so overly punishing. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm kind of, I don't know, what I want is for someone to be like, hey man, here's the build and the first three or four hours to be able to set you up with that build and then you can just play the game and not have to worry and, you know, pump your stats into these and you're just going to have a good time. I just want yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And like, Cause I, it's... I don't want to have to fucking figure it out, man. I'm... <sighs> I just want to see the cool bosses and like, you know, marvel at the set pieces. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, bro, if you want to see the cool bosses, you should be playing the Dark Souls 3 DLC, just saying. Uh, okay, yeah, I know. God damn it. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway. So yeah, the, the next piece of news... Uh, sorry, did you have something to say? No, I was just, just going to be like, feed me drumstick number two, you're all over. Okay, yeah, nice. Um, drumstick number two, this is sort of games adjacent. Um, this is the great Twitter collapse that's happening currently. Have you been keeping up with this at all? Uh, I have no, I have no idea about what's going on. I have no okay. like lens into this world, and I'm really interested because like uh, the last I heard, like Elon Musk was offering to buy it, but apparently that wasn't oh, going well. And right. then, and then the next thing I heard was like he implemented this thing where oh, I don't know if he did it, but the company implemented this thing where. You could pay to get the verification tick. Yeah. And yep. and and it was just complete pandemonium. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you a little rundown. And there's probably some of the like parts of this that are not factual that I've just kind of forgotten or skewed or misremembered and misquoted. So just, you know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Um, That's all right. We're not here for the truth. I'm lending you my exact lens. You know, we're not here for the truth. Yeah. We're here for some weird retelling. That's what this podcast is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what happened was Elon Musk was um, sick of getting teased on Twitter. So he made a veiled threat that he would buy Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he sort of got it in his head that it was going to happen. Everything was drawn up and then he shirked on the deal. Like he sort of retreated from it and said, no, no, actually, psych, I'm not going to buy Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then because the process had gone so far ahead, Twitter actually sued him and forced him into buying buying Twitter. Oh my God, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, so $44 billion later, um, he is currently the CEO owner of Twitter. Oh um, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, he, he first of all set about um, doing the verification thing, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think on its face was kind of an interesting move because we talked about this a little bit last time in the um, Metaverse episode, you know, having some way to verify that people are human. Maybe this was a conversation I was having with someone else as well, but some way, some way to verify that you're human in, a, mm-hmm. in an increasingly like AI generated content world is probably going to be pretty important, I think. Yeah. Um, it, he just went about it the complete wrong way um, and was going to charge people $12 for a... Um, a tick, the tick, basically the little mm-hmm. blue tick next to your name, and then yep. people revolted and said, "Hey, twelve dollars is too much. I hate this idea. Twelve dollars is too much." And it's like, "Okay, how about eight dollars?" Um, and that was a conversation between him and Stephen King, by the way. That was the main. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus! Oh, this yeah. is yeah, fucking hell. It's just yeah. God. Life is so fucking weird right now. It, it's <laughs> the weirdest time, man. And so, um. Yeah, he, he lowered the price to $8 and rolled it out. And, um, you know, this is amid a bunch of other weird stuff that was going on. You know, like Twitter had been posting their um, their dev 
stream to production. And so for folks who don't understand what that means, who've done software before, um, sort of think of it like you've got a play, someone's writing a play and on the script, they've written all of these notes and, you know, information about, you know, when the lights turn on and turn off and stuff and why, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just, it's just covered in notes. Um, and that's, that's, that's dev, you know, that's where all the developers are making their work mm -hmm. and updating small changes and doing little bits and bobs. And then there's the version of the play with the script that goes out to the audience that they get there for, you know, the people who buy the script, they want to read along. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's production. And so like the version that everyone usually gets on Twitter is production. It's the cleaned up version. There's no weird, you know, links or pointing to like local files on any of the, the, um, metadata or code on the website. It's all just nice and clean. Mm -hmm. And so at, at one point Twitter had pushed like a, a build of, of Twitter out and, uh, you know, however they do it with the web. I don't know how it works these days, but, um, there was like a bunch of, you know, paths to people's local computers in the Unicode oh of, of the website. So you oh could browse and see like, you know, Dave's PC dot whatever. Oh my um, God. yeah. And people were like, what the heck is going on? Um, so there's that oh. and then yeah so the the thing went through and they were like okay eight dollars a membership and a bunch of people paid it and a bunch of people didn't and then some people were like hey i'm bored and this is a sinking ship and so i'm going to make a nintendo us verified account because one currently doesn't exist and mm -hmm. i'm going to tweet photos of luigi's asshole <laughs> 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 and it's going to be seen by 450 million people um and so yeah that happened uh another yeah. thing happened where the um a company that makes oh, it's a drug for people who have oh shit i can't remember it silo no <sighs> diabetes what do people with diabetes have insulin. insulin right so it was an insulin company i think um tweeted that they were going to give away insulin for free um because previously they were selling it mm-hmm um, but this wasn't the actual company. It was some oh, rando right. who had made a verified in insulin selling drug company and tweeted about it. And, uh, it caused the stock to lose like, I don't know, $55 billion in value overnight because, Oh my God. Yeah. The, the investors saw it and the whole world saw it. And so they were like, okay, we're out. Um, and so, yeah, it just like tanked. Uh, and then Holy it came to light shit. that that wasn't the case. And so, you know, like Elon at uh, this deal is like kind of like responsible for this, you know, huge stock loss. Oh um, my God. <laughs> so there's all sorts of crazy stuff that has happened. Um, yeah, just, just a lot of shenanigans, which is to be expected. And then to remedy that, have a guess what they did. They oh. <laughs> added another tick. <laughs> a secondary Wait, tick. No, no. So, so like you pay eight dollars for the first tick and what yeah. they they apply then, the secondary tick based on like the actual requirements like yeah, a verification. the old requirements you oh know the ones where they God. have to actually like you know prove that they were this person yes oh that's amazing so there's a verified tick and then underneath that there's a little white um official tick now wow so you can be verified and also official that's yeah that's just incredible it it really feels like billionaires revert <laughs> to being children like yeah. once once you become a billionaire you just become a child yeah yeah um and so the most recent piece of news with that is that um uh elon made this email that went out company-wide saying 
hey, we're really, um, you know, I'm really passionate about making Twitter 2.0 the best that it can be. Uh, I can't remember the exact verbiage that he used. It was something like, we're going extreme mode or hardcore mode or something. Um, and so <laughs> you can either stick around for that or you can leave with uh, your three months severance and you have to respond by tomorrow. What um, the fuck? And so a bunch of people quit, you know, like a bunch of core engineers, like systems engineers that, are, you know, they need to be there basically every week to ensure the stability of the website so that it doesn't, you know, get ripped off the, the internet by hackers or you know, just go down because the servers need maintenance or whatever, you know, these are like core uh, um, admin engineers. So I they mean, quit. yeah, it's uh, obviously not intentional, but very kind of Elon to be like, oh, if you stay, we're going to crunch into oblivion. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he gave everyone the option. It's just such yeah. a bizarre fucking, anyway. And like, um, he, j I bet he has no fucking clue that that's what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He thinks he's just like, rallying the troops or whatever but no he <laughs> inadvertently alienated every hard-working member of the team to a point where they're quitting and oh so yeah a, a bunch of them quit um and last night people were like the twitter hq has locked its doors like people can't get in people can't get out what? apparently yeah apparently the person who was responsible for the key card um, mechanism for the lock systems on all the buildings quit <laughs> and, and so that system just like was, went offline <laughs> oh my god yeah holy um, shit that's all you know this is all just what i read you know this and a lot of this is like unverified information i don't know if any of it's necessarily true um i know i know that people have been quitting i watched videos of twitter engineers counting down to midnight so that they could say that they quit you know, all that sort of stuff. But a, a lot of this stuff is in the form of text posts from um, journalists and other, um, you know, verified tickers on the website, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. So <laughs> who knows what's actually happening inside Twitter HQ? Um, and so, yeah, wow. people are like, this is probably the last weekend that Twitter is going to be around. Um, say your goodbyes and put your links to where you want people to find you from now on. And so the, the website is littered with people being like, okay, see you next time, everyone. It was fun. Bye. And then like links to their LinkedIn or like Facebook or whatever. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, that is just an impressive nosedive. So like, fast. In, in such a short amount of time. Mm. Yeah. Just, it's been like two weeks. Wow. Incredible. You know, yeah. hats off, buy the system, destroy the system, move on to the next system. He's so, so much debt. <laughs> it's made like a, a billion or a million dollars of uh, interest every year on this fucking... Anyway, yeah. Oh you have to sell God. Tesla stock to make the deal as well. So it's just a, a huge mess all around. Oh, my um, God. Well, I will enjoy tuning into this reality TV show next time. Yeah, Plus I think does something stupid. Yeah, it's so... Um, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I feel like I'm in a weird art installation, you know, or like a, um, one of those like interactive theater plays where like the, the theater yeah. happens around you. I feel like that's what I'm, whenever I get on Twitter these days, that's what I feel like I'm, I'm in. Um, oh my God. And so this is a long news segment, but the final piece of news is, uh, Mick Gordon wrote a Harry Potter long, uh, novel <laughs> about what happened to him on the production of Doom Eternal and his mistreatment by, um, Marty on id Software. Yeah, so, so god I, damn. Did you I, read it? Yeah, yeah, I I've read it and kept what up with it. What a read. Oh, oh man. God. And and it's just like 
dude, the internet is so fucking weird. Like, this is... This is an individual who is representing himself and his family and his, like, professional outlet, which is music creation, mm-hmm. versus a corporation. And, like, people are siding with a corporation. And it's just so weird to me that anyone would ever choose a corporation over a human being, unless unless that corporation was like, I don't know, fucking saving whales or something, and the human being was like, I want to eat all the whales in the world. <laughs> but, I want to eat all the whales. <laughs> <laughs> this like, must be stopped. Yeah, but, you know, usually it's it's a corporation being a fucking yeah. capitalist fucktard and the, yeah, the yeah. human being being like, hey, this is my livelihood, like, this is my life that you're playing with. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like Marty, the executive is. Maybe you should just tell the story. But yeah, like the the internet reaction has blown my mind a little bit. Um. Around like the corporation through Marty, the executive, posting information and people like clinging onto that and being yeah. like, yeah, the the guy who made the Doom music is in the wrong. Like that just blows my fucking mind. Yeah. I. I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of. Um, either end of the spectrum so it's weird that you've seen people responding negatively towards Mick um, so yeah I think maybe part of that is there's, there's a couple of parts the first part is that the initial blow was done on Reddit by Marty um, yeah. and so I think people oftentimes with like stories like this it's just the first piece of information that they get that is the thing that people cling to you know it's like yeah there's, a there'll point. be a headline about something and they read the first couple of paragraphs and their mind is made up and then mm. you know two weeks later after you know thorough investigation they update the article and say that they were wrong about the thing that they posted but the, you know the public perception has already been done the damage is out there mm. and so yeah. there's there's that part of it and then the other part is the um bayonetta 3 story i think there's a little bit of this like you know outsourcy freelancer game worker um issue that's come about of, of like untrustworthiness when it comes to people saying that they had a bad time working on a video game <laughs> because mm. of this situation that happened with his voice actor uh, helena someone helena taylor taylor thank you um yeah and so i think the helena taylor thing has sort of given people a little bit of pause when it comes to like believing the victim in this case um, yeah and like that's good you know it's it's good to to take pause and like mm. assess all the information you have but like the way that mick has approached this compared oh, to helena God. like yeah. th- this isn't you know a 128 character tweet or whatever no, or a video um yeah th- this is this is a fucking like outline with documents and just some like some really damning stuff so can i give mm. just like a quick timeline to- um, yeah, that would be fantastic. I don't have a timeline. I have three dot points and none of them are in, in timeline. <laughs> so, <please. laughs> okay. Okay. So, so basically, um, Doom Eternal came out four years after the original Doom. Um, the music felt really rushed and there was some stuff reused from the original Doom soundtrack. And like that really stuck out to me when I played it. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like I would have thought, you know especially after all the accolades Mick Gordon got after the first Doom, I would have thought he would have been handed, you know, 
the the keys to the office on a silver platter being like you know you've got full yeah. creative license knock yourself out and and what basically happened is um the developers weren't keeping in good communication with mick and they were changing their requests and bringing deadlines forward and mick was you know having a hard time and basically, this this climaxed before the game's release, um, but Bethesda announced a special edition, which would include a CD with the Doom Eternal soundtrack. Mm. And and Mick had never heard of this until it was advertised, and he was oh, basically God. like, that, that's impossible. Um, and part of the reason it, it was impossible was not only because of the unrealistic deadlines that were being set for him, but changing a um, set of songs for a video game to a set of songs for like a Spotify album is a huge amount of work because when you're creating music for a video game, you're working around um, basically what the coders implement uh, to act as a trigger for that music. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time you want the music to loop. Um, and so you've got to, you know, you've got to design it in a specific way so that it sounds good when it loops or like, you know, that it doesn't sound broken or whatever. And so if you, if you take those files and you just, you know, copy and paste them onto a CD, like it's going to sound like shit. It's not going to sound like an album. It's not going to flow like an album. And so Mick was like, you know, this, this is full on anyway. So Doom Eternal comes out and like everyone loves the combat and blah, 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 blah. Um, but like Mick's comments around how difficult it was to work with the team and make the music kind of fade into obscurity. Yeah. Um, and then seemingly out of nowhere, a couple of years later, like this week, right? Um, Marty, who's an executive at Bethesda or id, was it Bethesda id. or id? At id. Um, basically, uh, publicly attacked Mick Gordon for dropping the ball on the soundtrack. Um, and, <laughs> so you know, l- like like you say, this is the first kind of bit of public information that we hear and people mm. kind of lock onto it and, and make up their minds. Um, but Mick then, a week later, or a couple of days later, came back with his um, version of the story. And... One of the more damning things about his version that he was able to prove was that Id offered him a six-figure sum to keep mm. quiet. Yeah, goddamn. And that's, like, especially damning. And so um, you got, you know, the bullshit around production. You've got Marty launching a public attack. Uh, Mick launches his retort with a bunch of evidence that looks pretty good in his favour. And then you've got a statement from Marty through id that came out uh, yesterday or the day before saying, like, it's really disappointing that... Mick would attack us like this. Oh we just we want we want the best result for everyone, and it's just this completely like short tone deaf statement, and it's like he thinks we've all forgotten that he started up this bullshit. Yeah, you know, like he was the one to publicly make these claims in the first place, and now he's trying to be like, oh, we're getting bullied by Mick Gordon. We're like a big multi-million dollar corporation <laughs> and this mean guitar player is ruining our business. Like, it's like, come the fuck on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, It seems as though 
Marty really does not like Mick for some reason, you know, like it, there has to be, I mean, no, there doesn't have to be, but it, it, you just get the impression that, that Marty really hates Mick, mm. like deeply hates him for the treatment that I read about in that. And just the way that he, you know, was first to make that post and the way it's been responded to. And just the whole process seems as though that, you know, Marty is either ignored or, um, actively sought out to damage Mick, <laughs> which mm. is really fucked up. Um, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention here was that there is also still two and a half hours worth of contracted minutes for the game that have not been paid for. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there was a total minutes released, which was four hours and 46 minutes, uh, and then a contracted minutes that hasn't yet been paid paid out, you know? Um, so yeah, go, go ahead and read the, the letter. I, I strongly urge everyone, you know, like don't necessarily look at how long it is. Just, you know, just sit down and have a cup of tea and have a read through the, um, the open letter that Mick wrote because it's really a ride. Um, mm. and, and it's, it's worth hearing about his struggle because yeah, it, it has, it's wild. The stuff that he went through to release mm. this, to release this, um, soundtrack of this game. Well, it wasn't even him that ended up releasing it. It was that other guy, the, mm music guy i can't remember his name yeah i can't remember i can't remember their name either but you know they basically were hired to clean up in quotation marks everything um and that's like the soundtrack you hear in the game today it's just like fucking so many chopped up songs and like not at all to the quality that you would come to have expected after that first doom 2016 release yeah, yeah. And look, I think even if it was just Mick working on it and he had his, um, and it had just come out without the OST or whatever, the amount of crunch that he was doing on it, I don't think it would have turned out that good either. Like, it was mm. such a ridiculous mm. set of expectations. Like, something that you didn't mention was that the, um, they had co- they contracted him for two songs every month, I think mm. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was based on uh, them showing him levels so that he could make the songs to the levels. Right, yeah. And so it was like, you know, he thought, okay, fine, that sounds like a little bit tricky, especially on your end, because you're going to have to supply me with all of this material in order to write this music, but I'll, I think I'm, I can do the music. Um, and they just never, you know, they, they'd given him some, like, grey boxing and, like, unfinished level stuff, you know, and mm. that was still in flux and changing, and it was like... So he'd, you know, make the music for the level the first time and then the level would change. And so the music would be completely nonsense or like, you know, it was basically basically that on repeat. Um, And so I'm sure there's like all of this unreleased, you know, so many versions of so many songs that we'll just never get to hear because it was stupid with the way that they laid out the production for this. And, Mm. um, And that's a shame too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Mick Gordon's a, a super talented dude, um, you know, he, he puts his whole pussy into those soundtracks. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> um, yeah, Mick Gordon Nussy into that soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was that was a monstrous feed. I'm fucking over bloating over here. <laughs> yeah, that was a long one. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise it would be that long. But yeah, so that that's the three-piece feed. God damn, I hope Mick gets what he deserves and I hope Id gets what they deserve too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to know really when it comes to popular video games. You know, mm. we, we talk about voting with your wallet and all that kind of thing, but 
It honestly just seems like none of that shit matters. Like, the, the most recent Pokemon game had the most pre-orders Pokemon has ever had. And it's just like, oh boy. That's, yeah, uh, you know, we can, we can sit here and see popular internet forums talk through how they're never, you know, they're, they're banding together and they're going to not buy these series and blah, blah, blah. But really yeah. at the end of the day, like grandma just walks in and buys that video game for his gra- <laughs> for her grandson and that's it. And that's how they make their bank. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also like, I was talking about this last night with some friends, like Pokemon is such a nostalgic series. Like it's, they really are just like clinging on with, uh, with those hooks, uh, that yeah. they put in early. Um, yeah. It's, it's so far removed from what it was. Um, and will never be having anything anyway. Um, so shall we move on to the topic? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're going to talk about how important the first hour in a video game is. Mm. Uh, I wanted to talk about this because you talked about the first hour of God of War Ragnarok and yeah. it reminded me of the first hour of the first God of War. And I was like, man, that's a really interesting thing. We should talk about that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, for me, the first hour feels more important than it used to be. Um, refunds are more accessible than ever, and with game libraries gaining traction, the competition is real, right? And if it's not immediately good or enjoyable, why waste your time? Uh, mm. As Reggie Nintendo famously says, if it's not fun, why bother? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I've seen that clip like 2 million times. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there are little, literally like hundreds of really good titles out there to play these days. Um, and so I'm ready to do some good old fashioned information semination. But Let's go. I'm also pretty keen to talk through our personal experiences of starting new yeah. games. Like sure. like the God of War games. Like that shit. Yeah. Like motherfucker straight up lies to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, thanks, Corey. Didn't re- realise I was in for a 30-hour slog fest with, like, <laughs> the pacing of Moldy Molasses. That <laughs> that first hour is like a line of cocaine for breakfast. They and do everything it again but... in the second one. <laughs> oh, yeah. So misleading. Uh. Um Anyway, I'll let let's let's start with the info and then we'll then we'll branch out sure. from there. Let's do it. Um, so when I was researching, there was a there was a couple of d- design philosophies I found um, that relate to how you construct the first portion of your game. Mm, um, cool. Sometimes it was called the initial experience or you know the tutorial, but one of the more famous ones apparently is five five five. So. Okay design the first five seconds, the first five minutes, and the first five hours in harmony with each other. Oh. Um, now, this, yeah, yeah, I thought so too. But, like, it's obviously some broad stroke shit because some games don't last for five hours, but that um, that concept remains the same. Um, so, like, breaking your game up into increasingly larger portions should reflect the overall experience a player can expect if they continue playing. Mm. Um I'd argue that, like, Breath of the Wild is a pretty good example of a game that utilises this concept. Like, yeah. starting in that tutorial, that tutorial area, you find the shrines, there are puzzles to solve, there are characters to meet, there are things to cook, there's, like, cold weather to deal with, there's lots yeah. of climbing, you know, it's, it's kind of like a vertical slice, really, um, for the rest of the game. Whereas Final Fantasy VII Remake, 
um, for me at least, is a good example of a game that doesn't utilise this concept. Mm. Um, and, like, I don't know if that's really, when you just take it at face value, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, um, because I played Final Fantasy VII Remake for two hours and nothing was repeated. Like, it yeah, was just right. two hours of new mechanics, new stuff, and it was, like, that is kind of impressive, um, but, like, yeah, there, there are a couple of reasons I put it down that weren't really related to the gameplay loop, I suppose. Mm. Um, and, like, I guess there are some caveats, like, relying on intrigue rather than mechanics for a story-driven game seems pretty reasonable. Mm. Um, anyway, I got a quote from Sid Meier uh, regarding the first 15 minutes of a game. So, Sid Meier is the dude behind the Civilization series. Yep. Which I've never played, by the way. Have you played the Civilization I've, games? I've tried several times to get into Civilization, and I think that the problem is that I've always tried playing on my own. I think it's best uh, played as like a group, like a board game thing. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because I'd I'd be keen. I'd be keen. People who <clears throat> play those games fucking love them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I have a feeling it would be a fun time as well, and it's also like a um, uh, like a it's not something you need to be in session with one another for the whole time as well. Apparently you can, mm. uh, maybe this isn't all of them, but they're not like real time, they're turn based. So you can like, you know, play your turn and then tomorrow, by the time you get back to the game, it might be your turn again because over that, you know, 24 hours, everyone else is playing has made their oh, turn. Oh, I see. That's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in, in Sid Meier's keynote, the psychology of game design, um, which was for uh, GDC 2010, Mm. Um, he explains that the first 15 minutes need to offer awards that are, and I quote, really compelling, really fun, almost a foreshadowing of all the cool stuff that's going to happen later in the game. Yeah. Um, so Maya advises designers to make players feel comfortable in the game world and on the right track. Um, right. during this initial time period, he believes that the game almost cannot reward the player enough to get them invested, committed, and part of the game world. Right. Um, Give them lots of good shiny things. Yeah. So that, that whole quote and the following little bit I just read is from that, this paper that I'll, I'll talk about a bit later. Cool. Um, but yeah, like, I think that's a really good point from Maya around that first 15 minutes being like, it's just got to be fun, compelling, cool. You know, it's, it's got to really grab you. Um, and there's like one type of game, I think, where it's a little bit of an outlier when it comes to these big industry heads talking game design, mm. um, which is mobile games, right? Like oh, they're, they're the bag of Oreos on your desk. You want instantaneous gratification. Um, I can't count the number of iPhone games I've deleted after playing for less than 30 seconds. Like, <laughs> Uh -huh. It's it's just you've got to immediately be kind of forgettable but fun, um, but like I'm not the mobile game connoisseur I used to be, mm. uh, you know, like circa t 2009 with an iPod Touch, I was I was on that app store every day checking out the new games. Dude, um, yeah, getting like beer pour simulator for three dollars on the app store. Yeah, three ninety nine. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> um. um. Speaking but, of mobile games real quick, I just wanted to have a quick recommendation. Apparently, Marvel Snap is really good for oh, mobile. What is, what, is, what is it? It's a card game. Um, mm -hmm. So you've been warned. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 
that's dangerous, bro. How could you do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, just seed that little video game tree and uh, (laughs) I'll let you get back to it. (laughs) Uh, Well, luckily, uh, my iPhone is like eight years old, so I probably can't even run it. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) Don't fucking (laughs) come here with your maybe. Um, But yeah, I, I... don't really have that much to say about mobile games but you know you've you've worked in the industry is there anything you want to add when it comes to mobile games and like how important that first experience is yeah um it's tricky um for mobile games um they call it the ftux uh the first time user experience oh yep um and a lot of the time that's usually focused around tutorialization um so they'll give you a little taste of video game um and usually the video game is pretty simple because most of the time mobile games are single input you know you tap the screen that's all that is involved um there's usually not much of an element of timing either it's usually just tap the screen when we tell you to tap the screen mm-hmm. um and then the, the majority of the f is centered around teaching the player how to navigate the various systems in in the game post post interaction and so in the case of Puzzle Quest 3, it was like, okay, you know, matching things is reasonably simple, although there's a level of that that needs to be curated curated as well to make sure the player gets the right gem board the first time and, uh, you yeah. know, that they know which gem to match the first time. There's all sorts of UI things that you can do for that. But yeah, the, the user, the, the main thing that we're trying to teach the player in the first five minutes is like that the game is fun and that the systems are navigatable <laughs> and, mm, and that's mm-hmm. it. Uh, and how to navigate them so yeah mm, cool um, yeah. yeah yeah um and i think like ultimately there are two results when you've you've finished playing that what what did you call it tufts that initial user experience yeah f tux f tux yeah um like you abandon ship or you continue playing um yeah. and so there's there's a paper produced by washington university and microsoft titled the first hour experience and they review a bunch of studies around player retention and they've also got interviews with some industry veterans um anyway i thought at at the end of the paper that i read they summed up things really well Mm. so they said in summary the industry consensus is that games must start by grabbing the player's attention feeding their interest for the future frustrations must be minimized the player needs to be taught how to play, rewarded emotionally, and with a sense of control. Yeah. And and that's their quote. And that that previous Sid Meier quote and the, the little bit that came after that was from that paper as well. Right. Um, anyway, that's some succinct shit right there, right? Yeah, very like, succinct. Can you, can you read that again for me real quick? Uh, yep. I feel like I need to soak it in. Yep. So, in summary, the industry consensus is that games must start by grabbing the player's attention and feeding their interest for the future. Frustrations must be minimised. The player needs to be taught how to play, rewarded emotionally, and with a sense of control. So they're like, create interest, minimise frustrations, teach me how to play, and reward me. Yeah, um, right. yeah. And I think I think that's pretty fucking solid. Like, when I think about all of the games that really grab me they've got this. Like when I think yeah. about, you know, Slay the Spire and Dead Cells, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, they they do all of that. They yeah. 
I, I think um, I think there is maybe something I'd like to expand around the teach me how to play bit. Um, mm. I think the games I like the most teach me how to play by just playing the game. Yeah, they yeah. they're not like click this, move this here. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Mega Man, Mega Man, and I know that's that joke is kind of overused at this stage, but like really, when when there's like intuitive level design or intuitive mechanics and it's almost like the video game just sits there and you teach yourself how to play. Yeah. That, that's when shit really grabs me. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, there's um, there's a couple things. So first thing um, that I was thinking about while you were talking there was a, a lot of the time the problem, and this isn't just limited to mobile games, though it is definitely a problem in within mobile games, is the first time user experience is is usually so glitzy and so glamorous that the following 10 to 20 minutes after that and then consequently the rest of the experience that you have with the game isn't reflected by that first you know first five minutes where you're getting all the mm. rewards and dopamine going off and it's giving you a billion coins and you're like hell yeah man it's <laughs> after that it slows down and um and then you get you know bogged down in like the grind i guess Hmm. Um, and I think there's like a bit of a harsh transition that some of the mobile games struggle with where they're like, yeah, here's the cool game we made and, and here's how to play it. And then like, they just drop you and then you're like, okay, now I'm in the grind, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's not like a smooth, you know, line, but where it's like, okay, we're going to give you a few less rewards this time, but everything's still beautiful. And then it's like, okay, you know, this boss is actually quite hard. You need to go and do this thing first. And then, okay. Now that you've done that thing a couple times, you're able to go forwards and like there's this you know, you know linear path to like showing you how to grind and like what's involved mm. and all that sort of stuff. So that's that's thing um, thing number one. And then while I was talking, I forgot what thing number two was. Um, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> what you're talking about at the end, where the game the game um, just presents the game and through playing it, that's how you learn how to how yeah. the systems work. I think that's like one of the hardest things to do, right? Because oh, totally, totally. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I fully understand how difficult that is, but it's yeah. like it's something that I really appreciate in a game. Yeah. yeah. Um, like it, it happened recently in a game we'll be talking about later on, um, where, where like, uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of times mechanics were introduced and your interactions with the world were modified compared to what you were used to. And there was zero anything, zero tutorial, zero text, just like, you know, here's all the shit. You got a sword, use your sword to whack things. And like, you just slowly figure out how things work. And that like, when I think I've talked about it before, I can't remember what the original title was when I was talking about it, but when you feel like you're collaborating with a game, that's like that's the spice for me when you're like Mm. oh man i'm i'm like solving puzzles as i learn like that yeah oh my god that is just you know when video games make you feel like a genius that feels so fucking good yeah yeah no it's great i I think it's exemplified in that mega man x example where you know you Mm -hmm. fall down the thing and then as you're falling you bump up against the wall and you get the slide pose and the dust shoots up you know that's like okay you can slide on the wall now um same thing in breath of the wild when you approach a tree to grab the apple or whatever you just start climbing up the tree and you're like oh i can climb yeah you know, it's yeah. not like walk up to the tree and then <laughs> to climb i i think breath of the wild in particular is really good at this like yep. when yep. when i was watching 
um, Phoebe play through that first uh, couple of hours, I was just like, fuck, you know, there's so much in that game that they actually do have a few text things. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. For, for each of the um, Metroidvania traversal things, like the magnet and the bomb, you know, yeah, you get a yeah. text thing when you unlock that. But, yeah. like, they don't tell you how to use the bomb they're not like oh it can be used to blow yourself off a cliff and then you can glide for extra momentum you know they don't do any of that they just give you the world and like yeah i was watching phoebe play and just you know like you say you just walk up and climb um you know you you see a dude chopping down trees so you decide to chop down a tree like you know when you see the enemy do something you can do everything the enemy can do and it's just like yeah there was so much of that stuff littered throughout the game and yeah when when you're just like exploring a game and for like the 10th time in an hour you figure out like something that you could do all along but the only thing kind of stopping you was your own familiarity with the concept and then you like overcome that that feeling is just oh baby yeah yeah um and then the, the other one that I wanted to touch on quickly, there's a few examples here that I have, but one that I think is really incredible is um, Hyper Demon. The oh, that, yeah. That game, you spend so much time in the first two seconds of that game or the first, you know, 30 seconds of that game that mm-hmm. the, the the way that it uses that first 30 seconds to teach you and how, like how to optimize the way that you play that game, it's genius. It's mm. so genius. It's, it's like, imagine we're going to, have the first time user experience, but the user is going to play it hundreds of times. It's like, no, you're a madman. We could never do this. We could never pull this off, but Hyper Demon, <laughs> Hyper Demon does. Oh, uh, and it, it does it in such a way that's like, you know, there's something to learn through each Im- subsequent run about how to optimize the way that you play the game. And that, that mm. it's, it's exemplified in the first 30 seconds, um, which you experience over and over again, which is pretty wild. Um, yeah. The other example yeah. here I have is uh, Bioshock is one that really smashes and grabs you early. Uh, you have the big plane crash, and the plane crashes through the bathosphere, and Andrew Ryan's talking to you on the radio, and then there's a splicer, and he's in the shadows, and he's telling you he's going to kill you, and all that sort of stuff. It's very like, um, wow, you know, um, wow, you in the first five seconds style gameplay. Yeah, and that's that's actually a really good example where they they rely heavily on intrigue. Right, because mm-hmm. like in the first five minutes, you're descending into the ocean and you see Rapture, and you're yeah. like, "Holy fuck!" And like, you know, if that doesn't interest you, then it's probably not going to be the game for you, really. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, the other one I've got here is Inscription. I think Inscription does a fantastic job of like gripping you really early, um, and it also does a really good job of teaching you the systems of the game without having a bunch of menus pop up. Um, it's it's all done through dialogue and, um, just watching things play out. It has like a lot of times where it'll just like let you make mistakes or let you win, um, just to show you that certain things can happen. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something to say about everyone having different ways of learning, Mm. you know, like I'm, I'm a kinesthetic learner. So for me, it's really important that I can get hands on and make mistakes like yeah. that's that's how I'm going to learn the fastest. If I can get into a game and die a bunch, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm learning how to die less and you know yeah. how to optimize. You know, just like you were talking about with Hyper Demon. Um, and that that sounds awesome because it's such an extreme example. 
right? Mm. Like with most with most larger games like Dark Souls, you know, you get better over time because you're becoming more familiar with enemy movesets and all this kind of stuff. But like Hyperdemon sounds like it's done that and like condensed it to yeah. such an extreme degree <sighs> and then like also condensed like... Whereas Dark Souls gives you, like, a lot of stimulus over 30 minutes. It condenses, yeah. like, 30 minutes worth of stimulus into 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm trying to, like, think of how you would do the same thing in, in Dark Souls. You know, it would be, like, it drops you <laughs> at the start level and there's, like, 50 zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and you just die over and over again until you can figure out how to kill 50 zombies. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so there's that one, and um, there was another thing I was wanting to talk about too. Um, oh, games like um, role-playing... No, not role-playing games. Um, what are they called? Like Age of Empires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, real-time strategy games, I think, have, have a real good chance of doing stuff like this where like parts of the game will be unseen or grayed out, and until you build certain things, you know... The, those those things aren't available to you. And so like that's a really neat way of just like having having you play the game and experience the flow of the, you know, the way that it was intended to be played and having stuff sort of unfold in front of you is really neat. Um, yeah. The sort of contrast to that is the way that Factorio handles that style of progression. Um, mm-hmm. the, the layer that they put on top of it is optimization. Um, and so like all of the systems, you can build any kind of factory that you want and you can progress as slowly as the game will allow you to, but you can also do it in ways that are mind-blowingly optimized <laughs> and right. like, you know you can turn you can turn a system around from producing you know x amount of things every five minutes to like you know hundreds more um mm. just by changing the way that the inserters work or like the path of the tracks um and so it becomes more about like you know not necessarily about unlocking stuff on the path but it's more about like you know figuring out the best the best uh, way to do specific things which is which is pretty cool yeah Um, and and i think there's like the addition of complexity that kind of changes how developers might approach that first hour for a video mm -hmm. game like if in age of empires for example you had access to everything straight Mm -hmm. away that would be so overwhelming yeah you know like using the dark souls example you're like in a 3D space, you just press all the buttons, you can roll, you can swing your sword. You know, you can basically work out everything you can do in that first room in like 60 seconds. Yeah. But in Age of Empires, there's like barracks and then there's like a bunch of different things the barrack can produce and you're doing yeah. all this reading and then like, you know, certain unit types will have bonuses when they're yeah. near other unit types and all this stuff. Like it's just so much more complex. So that yeah. like that idea that they, it, it's, it's almost like an upside down pyramid, right? Yeah, yeah. Like start at the point and like they just introduce more and more concepts and really like that gameplay loop of like collecting resources, building things and then using those things to produce to either protect or attack like that gameplay loop is pretty evident in that first kind of, I don't know about five minutes, but it's definitely evident in the first hour. Yeah. Um, and I think like if, if that appeals to you by then, then you're going to want to see all the overwhelming shit, you know, you're going to yeah. want to see everything the game has to offer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Also, I think some games can get a little bit lost in the source when it comes to um, that first hour. They can really like over-design it. Um, mm. In the case of God of War or even some mobile games, they do a lot of, you know, like making sure the player clicks on the specific menu item and they'll lock off all the other stuff just because they really have it in their heads that the player needs to be able to do this, know, to know how to do this. The problem with right. it is that the player doesn't learn how to do it. They just see that you have to do it at this point and they may not be actually learning it in that point. You know, it's like sitting next to someone and copying their homework. It's like, oh, you're looking at the numbers on the page, but like... You're not actually <laughs> learning how they figured out those numbers, so yeah, the lesson yeah. is pointless. No. Yeah, yeah. So there's that part. And then, yeah, it's just like like that first section, I feel I can get just over-designed. I'm trying to think of an example where it is over-designed, but I can't come up with anything right now. But yeah, it, 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 it ends up being like either not reflective of the rest of the game or like, you know, it, like, uh, it doesn't, doesn't show you... Um, a realistic expectation of what you can expect after that um, in such a like over the top way that it's, it's hard to like, you know, continue playing <laughs> as when you hit yeah. the actual game. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Or it's just like too, I'm trying to find the way to describe it. It's just, it's just too designed. <laughs> it's, mm. You know, just like let the player figure it out. I think the example of like, you know, make a man sliding on the wall or link running up the tree or whatever is kind of like, yeah, just let, let him, let him do it. Mm. Um, mm. It's kind of the, the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, after doing this research and talking to you, like, I feel like that first hour is really fucking important. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. probably more important than I initially gave it credit for. But yeah. I just did quickly want to talk about playing a game that you hate uh-huh. and and when you've done this and why, right? Because, like, I, I it's, it's a little bit different right this second because maybe when you played a game that you hated, you know, there weren't game libraries and maybe the the refund systems weren't in place back then. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like it it's it's getting rarer and rarer for me to, like, kind of stick through with a game that I'm yeah. not enjoying or that's average. Like, I'll, I'll play for an hour or two hours and I'll just be like, nah, I'm done. That's not for me. I've got, like, a bunch of other games that I'd much rather be spending my time with. Um, and I, I think, like, one of them is actually Doom Eternal. For me. Oh right, you stuck um, with it. Well, I I don't think I made it past the ha- halfway mark, but mm. I st- I stuck with it for a lot longer than I should have, um, and and it's because I just thought it would get better. Um, like I I just couldn't believe how kind of wishy washy the in between arena content was in that game. Yeah. Right? So you got these amazing arenas where you battle it out with all these demons and it's amazing. Like the the gameplay during those arenas is just sick. It's so good. And then sometimes they'll have as long as like an hour between arenas of like cryptic puzzles and platforming. Yeah. And it was like it was almost like a morbid curiosity that kept me going. I was just like is is everyone like as annoyed by this as i am like this is <laughs> yeah. totally killing the pace and everything that i love about that that doom 2016 remake mm. yeah that was yeah I, I hated the way that they slowed every granule of pace in that game down to a complete standstill just because they wanted you to find a thing on a wall somewhere like it was <laughs> yeah. yeah it's completely the antithesis of um of doom yeah um, 
Exactly. Which you'd think they would have cottoned onto at some point. Um, but no. Yeah, mine is uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen. I hate played that game uh, into oblivion. <laughs> oh, God, I wish I'd never played it. Uh, I don't know why I stuck with it either. There was nothing. That game had nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I'm so interested. This is part of the reason why I wanted to ask this question because I know you've got this history with Final Fantasy Fifteen, and it's not mm. even like it's iconic or you've got this big history with the final fantasy series no. it's yeah, just, like why it. why and it's really long as well it's it's, it's not like, like hours. yeah like why 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 joe i don't know man I'm, i think i went into some like maybe there was just nothing else to play or i was looking for something just to like do with my hands in a video game i don't know mm-hmm, man mm-hmm. i really don't know what the answer is i want to go back and ask myself go back in time because um, <laughs> yeah i don't doing? know I, I think i like had initially um signed on because I, I wanted to see what the sort of relationship was between these these boys i thought they would looked really interesting and mm-hmm. you know you drive around in the car and there's like long road trips and i love the idea that you know there's just all this dialogue that happens you know quentin tarantino style dialogue where like mm. you'd be in the car with your good leather boys and they'd be telling you about <laughs> their history and you know and then there was like you know cooking you sit around the fire and you'd get some more maybe deeper stories because where it's, it's nighttime and we're cooking a meal together mm. um but no none of that happened uh it didn't even really happen once um so I don't know oh, why God. I stuck around for it, but yeah, that game was truly, truly awful. Um, I was just, I just Googled it because I was like Final Fantasy 15 to make sure it was the right version or the right number of Final Fantasy. I always forget. Mm-hmm. And then the first question at the top of the Google result is, is Final Fantasy worth playing? There's a little <laughs> bit of a, a preamble about the DLC and how, you know, you could potentially get the complete experience. And then there's like in bold, the base game is truly not worth playing. <laughs> <laughs> and I wholeheartedly agree. It's got a nine out of 10 on Steam and that is cursed. I- Okay, I mean, when is the last time you Googled any game and it and the, didn't uh, have yeah. a 9 out of 10 on <laughs> I've never seen a game get a lower yeah. score, ever. And and it's just like, I mean, we've done that episode. You know what? I'm going to shut up. But yeah, yeah Final yeah. Fantasy fifteen sucked. I played the first 10 hours. It, they were oh, God. Yeah, it was just bad. I don't know, man. The combat was bad. The exploration was bad. The... They had this one thing, right, where they... I've, I've mentioned this to you before, but I'll just quickly touch on it, even though we're running out of time. Um, <laughs> the first instance where you go and do a hunt, they, like, introduce you to, like, all these cool mechanics about, like, stalking the creature and, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can see it from a distance and watch where it walks so you can remember its, its, like, pattern of its movement and then you hit the barrel next to it at a certain point and then you move in for the kill and... Um, that was the only time they did that when they introduced it. They never did it again. There was never another like monster hunt where you had to like, you know, sleuth it and figure out where it's, what its path was. All the rest of the combat in the entire game was just the same. Yeah, that sucks. And I was like, what, what, why, why would you do this? You know what? <laughs> it's like showing me what you could have done once and then never doing it again. Like, Bro, but- I that's the first hour of god of war it's it's yeah. misleading they it's lied to you so misleading yeah. <laughs> oh, give me shit. boss rush god of war give it to me now bro speaking of boss rush one of one of the recent dead cells updates threw a fucking boss rush in there oh, great. bro that game has it all like <laughs> if if i were ever going to like 
an island and I was going to be isolated for like a year and I could take one game, it would be fucking Dead Cells. You, yeah. could, you could just endlessly play that shit. Mm, mm. Um, so any any closing thoughts on on how important the first hour is? Oh, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's super important. Um, I don't really have any super pertinent closing remarks or anything, but, um, I, you know, I just urge people to like try to, next time they play a new game, like actively you know, introspect while you're playing that first 45 to an hour and just mm. see what your feelings are. Maybe write them down mm. um, mm-hmm. and and just see if that is then also reflected in the following, you know, eight hours. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of the time it isn't. And um, it's interesting to see, like, the sorts of things that they do to, like, you know, make up for that first hour. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, go and, go and do a little homework for me. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. Um, so we're going to take a break from our regular programming next week and we're going to do our, uh, November game, which is Death's Door. Mm. So we're going to, we're going to spend the episode talking through that, talking through our experiences. Um, if you played Death's Door alongside with us or you've played it in the past, shoot us your thoughts at it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to talking through that with you, Joe Tool. I'm very excited. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah. I got to play some more of that game. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to, is this going to be our first fight? Oh my God. It's, it, it may be. It, it may could be. be. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so on that note, we hope everyone has a lovely fight free weekend and we'll, uh, <laughs> see you when it's almost the weekend again. Alright, see you later. Bye. Bye.